if we just learn how to do what God has told us to do, our lives would be so much better. And he wouldn't have to send us through so much stuff. And then we would have the spiritual power to flow into others' lives. So I, as of this day, make a new commitment. Brother Ivan, I may need to sing that song this morning of all mornings. <laughs> and sometimes there are times when you need God's anointing. You really need it all of the time. But there are some times when you feel you need it more than other times. There are some days that you need an umbrella and there are some days that you need a sunshade. And there are times when we can feel our own flesh and our own intellect and our own resources at a weaker point. And it is at those times that we recognize and realize more than ever that we need God. And sometimes in our own strength and our own might and our own success and power, we can feel pretty important. But we're not really important, we're impotent. Because without God, you can do nothing. And if we don't understand that, we're headed for a fast ride and a hard fall. So of all days, in particular, I don't know about you, but I need God's anointing on this day. Anointing on me. Part two of a series called Resurrection Power that I began on the last message. But today is a little bit different. I don't have my notepad or anything written today. 
Because the last time I sat in this pulpit, God spoke to me. And it's been one of those perhaps four or five times that he's spoken to me and he said, no notes. Speak whatever I pour upon you and let that flow out of you. And, and to be honest about it, that, that's not a thing that I like to do. Generally, I prefer to be prepared. I prefer to have my message outlined, all neatly printed out on the computer and everything in order. I don't like to get up without a message in particular. But I remember when I was in Russia, in Ukraine, and I was there and see Elijah was there and my brother Dale and each of us was headed out to a separate church to preach that day. And God had spoken that same message to me. Make no notes, take no notes with you. And there I was sitting in the hotel lobby with my notes all printed out on a sermon prepared. And I never will forget, there at the desk was this big Russian man. He was slightly inebriated, drunk. But yet he walked over to where I was sitting and took a big hand and grabbed my sermon and yanked at it. And there he was yanking at it, and there I am holding on to it. It was in a plastic folder. Had it have been paper alone, it would have torn. But because it was in a plastic folder, there we were in a tug of war with this sermon in between us. And two of the hotel bellmen came over and grabbed the man and ushered him off into another room. And there I am sitting there thinking... The devil is attacking today. And it was only later that I realized God told me not to make any notes, not to take any notes. And there I was, because here I am sitting in another country. I don't speak the language. I don't look like the people. And I've got to talk through an interpreter and go to a church I've never gone to before. And God's talking about don't even take any notes and just speak off the top. And I, I had some notes. And I thought when the big Russian came and grabbed it that it was Satan. And it was only later that I realized that I was in disobedience to the word of God. And God sent that man to snatch those notes out of my hand. So I at least had sense enough today not to have any notes. I don't know what would have happened had I had any notes. I, I don't know. I would have never guessed in a million years here I am sitting up in a fancy hotel that someone would just come. I'm dressed in a nice suit. I would have never in a million years realized someone would have just come over and just tried to yank. My, see, some of you all now are holding on to some stuff you've got no business holding on to. And, and part two of resurrection power was supposed to deal with the, the first part. It dealt with, first of all, that there were less than 10 actual cases of resurrection documented in detail in the Bible. There's a final one of where Jesus, when he arose, they said they saw a lot of the saints walking through the city. But, but they didn't stay. They just walked through for a while. They, they really went on back. So there are really less than 10 actual cases of resurrection in the Bible. And I gave the example of how when the man came to Jesus, his disciple, and said, look, I've got to go bury my father. That Jesus did not say, let me go resurrection. And the whole point of that, some things in your life are destined and they are meant to die. And you've got to know 
what's meant to die and what's meant to live. And you've got to even know what you need to resurrect. And, and there, there are some things that we're hanging on to and we're holding on to. And God never meant for you to have them at this time. And yet we cling. And yet when God will send something to snatch it away, there we are hanging on to it. So I at least had sense enough today not to get up here with any notes if that's what God had spoken. I was not here at church last Sunday because what happened, I had a dear friend of mine get sick. And throughout life, we will have, you know, in life, you really never have but just a handful of what I would call real true friends. You have a lot of acquaintances, but you really never have a but a handful of, of true friends and in my phone, I have a, a speed dialer where I can just press a button. And I have home first, James is second, my mother is third, and Carl is fourth. And those are the only people that I have on my speed dial. And I got a call on Friday morning that he had had a heart attack. I was on a plane that Friday evening there, and when I got to the hospital, he was there in the bed in beyond intensive care, in critical condition. And I stayed there several days, and every morning I was there at that hospital, and every morning he was there totally unconscious, one of the closest friends on earth. And there I was in the room, a minister of the gospel. And I couldn't get him out of that bed. And I sat here on the weekday service and I sat in the pulpit and I asked God, I said, Lord, you have said that this resurrection power is coming. I said, when? Because I, I need it now. And he said, it's coming. He said, but there are some things that I have to change in your world. Some of you have got some things... And you're wondering, when is this stuff coming? When are the promises going to be manifested? And yet God is saying to you, just as he said to me, it's coming. But there are some things that have to change in your world. The problem with God changing things in our world is that usually when he has to step in and do it, it's not a pleasant experience. Because, see, if it were pleasant, we'd have already done it. It's not something that we want to let go of. It's not something that we want to change. And when God has to come into our world and rearrange and change some things and make some changes, 99 out of 100 times, those things are not pleasant to him. And we don't want to let go. And we don't want to make the changes and when it happens, the other big thing is we don't even understand it. All we see is a big, mean Russian that we think is from hell itself. All we see are the problems. All we see are the things that are coming against us. All we see are these trials and these tribulations. And we try to rebuke Satan, not understanding most of the stuff and the destruction in the world God brought on himself. He did this stuff for the salvation of the soul and to preserve those few who were left righteous. God did it. And we don't understand the thing simply because it hurts. And as I sat in that hotel room 
early in the morning. And see, sometimes people, when stuff comes, it just comes. And oftentimes it's more than one thing. Now, there were... There, were, there was a group of us in college who kind of ran together. You all, you all ever had a group that you all just ran together? It's just a group of you. And the other one, they were first cousins, and we were all close, good friends. One, Carl, who had the heart attack. The other was Rudy, who was my dear friend. And I told him, I said, look, we, I want someone to stay here with Carl in this hospital room 24 hours a day. So There's a lot of people there during the day, but in the middle of the night, Nobody was there. You all ever had situations where in the middle of the night you're all by yourself? I mean, you got plenty of folk there in the day, but when over deep in the middle of the night, there's no one there. You wake up in the three o'clock, there's no, you're all in, in the middle of the night. There's no one there with us. So I said, I want somebody to stay in the middle of the night. So Rudy said he would take the 12 to 4 a.m. shift and I would take the 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. shift. And at least in the dark, there would be someone there with him. Well, the first that happened on a Friday. At midnight, Rudy called me. And he said, man, he said, you're going to have to take the midnight shift because my mother just died. I said, what? I said, here I am dealing with one best friend laying up in critical condition in the hospital and the other, his mother just died. Sometimes people, things will come at you so hard and fast and they are multiplied and you're trying to figure out what in the world is going on. So there I was in the hospital praying and wondering why do we not have the power to resurrect out of this hospital. And I mean, the church that he attends, all of the saints came, the pastor came, everybody laying hands on him, everybody praying over him, still not moving. There are some situations in your life even now, and it appears to be dead. And, and as I thought about it, I said, Lord, I just got through preaching about resurrection, just started the series, and I need it before I can preach the second one. I just got through talking about sometimes there are things in your world that need to die. And here my closest friend is at the point of death. The doctors didn't even think he was going to make I just got through preaching. Have you ever just got through giving someone else some advice and all of a sudden the stuff you needed? Have you ever gotten in that situation? And sometimes, you see, it's one thing when you read a story over in the Bible. It's another thing when you counsel someone. But it's an entirely different matter when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It becomes an entirely different and it becomes a personal thing when you have to. See, see the 49-day cancer cure, and it works for anyone who follows it, it came through a point of tribulation where, where I saw people around me and God had sent it through another prophet who said, one day you will develop a cure for cancer. And, and I saw people around me right and left dropping dead from cancer. And I, and I got in my prayer. I said, Lord, if there's any time I need this cure for cancer, I, I need it now. And God began to pour it out to me over a period of 49 days. I put it in a book. It's absolutely free. And for those who follow it, their cancer disappears. But it came at a point of tribulation. It may take the same thing for resurrection power. In my world and in your world, sometimes you have to get to the point 
of desperation of the situation warranting it to an extreme before you will even make changes to bring some things that God has promised into your world. And he said, one of the things that's going to have to change into your world is you're going to have to get on the program. See, God has given me a set of commandments that I'm supposed to follow every day. But I'm going to just be honest with you. I'm not doing too good on them. I'm just being honest with you. I have a problem with that program. The program takes up the whole doggone day. It just does. It takes up from 5 o'clock in the morning. You spend 40 minutes in prayer. Five, you got to study two hours a day. I got all this stuff to do that God is. And this stuff, just, it's just a lot. And it's not that I can't do it. But it's just a lot. And sometimes you just get tired of the program. Have you all ever just gotten tired of doing what you know you ought to do? Have you, I mean, you just get tired. I'm just... I'm just telling you, this is flesh and blood. I understand how the prophets felt. I understand how Elijah felt. I understand how Jesus felt. I understand how Paul felt. I understand how everybody in the flesh, sometimes you just get tired of doing what you're supposed to do. You just get tired of it. And sometimes I just get tired of it. And when you, and God spoke to me, he said, one disobedience leads to another. So when you not do one thing, see if I don't go to, I'm supposed to be in bed by 11 o'clock. So I don't want to get into bed by 11 o'clock. Just be honest, I just, I got stuff to do. I don't want to be in the bed by 11 o'clock. So sometimes I just don't want to do it. And he said one deviation leads to another. So if you don't get into bed by 11, it's hard to get up at 5. You understand? One thing happens to another and it just gets a snowball. So he said, before I can grant you the power you got to get on the program. And sometimes people with me and other preachers had the same problem. They just don't tell you about it. See, see it's, it's, some other, it's, it's private things that, that really you would never know if I didn't tell you about it. Because a lot of people, they look at me and they say, Pastor, you're just so disciplined. If I could just be like you. You, you, you don't ever have people tell you that. And you know what's running through your mind? You just don't know. You just don't know. Now, now see, I am very disciplined compared to some people, but God does not compare you to other folks. See, 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 Elijah, he, he just began a series called Developing Your Potential. And see, that's how we can mess up. Because we can say, well, look, Lord, I know you gave me all this program, but I'm not as bad as them. Look what I'm doing compared to what they did. Yeah, I know I'm not studying two hours a day, but they're not studying any. I know I sometimes I don't get up and get an hour of prayer, but they're not even praying two minutes a day. You're giving me all this stuff. you judge me and look at them. See, this is where we will oftentimes mess up at. God knows what you can do. And when you go before God in judgment, he is not going to ask you about your neighbor. He's not going to ask you about your husband, your wife, your children, your mother, your daddy, your brothers. He's not going to ask you about your co-workers. God is going to ask you, did you do what you were supposed to do? And that's all he's going to ask you. So, so in order for there to be some Things that where God can truly come through. Now, now, I understand I will never be perfect. You will never be perfect. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, you will never be perfect. But tell them this, you sure can be a lot better. And I, I, I see, see, that's the point. See, I, I understand I can never be perfect, but I do know I can be a lot better. 
And as God began to reveal all of this stuff in the midst of what appears to be tragedy, it helps to motivate me to get in position to where God can use me to the maximum of my ability. And right now, to be honest, I'm just not in position because he said, you're just not on the program that I have set before you. And that's, a, that's just a difficult program. But let me give you another big news flash. It is always easier doing what God told you to do than not. As I sat in that room in the middle of the night and and I listened to my friend on a ventilator because he could not breathe on his own. That's how hard it hit him. I remember the last few conversations that we had. And I told him, I said, Carl, I said, you've got to get your body in shape because you're running into danger. He, he was way overweight. I asked him how much did he weigh. He told me and I, I put it in the cast. I said, man, your body BMI is off the scale. And if you don't get into shape, it's going to lead to disaster. It's hard for him to get into shape. It was hard for him to lose that weight. And he had stomach weight, which is the most deadly of any type. I know some of you, you know, worried about weight. Some weight is not as deadly. If you got big behind, that ain't deadly. <laughs> that's, that's just the reality. Big, big behind is just not deadly. That's, that's, that weight, to be honest about it, you know, it just, it's just not deadly. Big thighs, that's not deadly. So you, you have to understand even something. But he had a big stomach. Stomach is the deadly weight. So he had, he had dangerous deadly weight. So as I... As I sat there in the room, I understood the natural causes of things. Most of our disasters that we have in life, when you really understand them, they have a natural root. Very little of it is supernatural. Most of the stuff has natural roots. So I understood very, very clearly the natural root. Yet there was an element of supernatural. And when I say, well, what's an element... I spoke it. What do you mean? I spoke it. I used to joke with him. I said, look, man, I don't want to come down there and go to the eighth floor of Bayfront and you have had a massive. I used to joke with him about that all the time. When I got there, his wife said, the doctor said that he has had a massive heart attack. It was the exact identical wording. He wasn't on the eighth floor because the hospital only went seven floors. And I learned when I heard that, I said, I have to be careful even when I joke about. One thing that God has granted me is the ability of manifestation of words. And, And I've learned that, I don't know, some of you may have been here years ago when I preached a sermon and I was talking about the foolishness of playing the lottery. And I, I, I said, look, if y'all want some numbers, I'll give you some numbers. And I, and I called out three random numbers, and I guaranteed that they would hit. I said, if you play these, they'll hit. But the problem is, it may take you ten years, and you're going to lose ten times more money before they hit. I preached that sermon. The next day, one of the numbers hit. When it aired on television, the second number hit. And, and it, all three of them hit. And I'm saying to myself, and I, I learned the power of words. I remember I wrote a mountain wings issue. 
And it was dealing with the front door syndrome. And I said, most people don't worry about earthquakes, but let an earthquake hit where you live and you become sensitive to earthquakes. That issue published at midnight by 4 a.m. an earthquake hit Atlanta. First one we'd ever felt. And then I realized God is telling me the words that I speak have power. And I have to be careful even what I joke about. The words that you speak have power. And I, and I have to change even the way that I talk with my friend. Instead of me telling him I'm going to come, I don't want to have to come down and, and visit him with a massive, I've got to speak the opposite of that thing. The same thing is true in your world just as it is true in mine. You've got to get on the program. You've got to start doing what God has really placed into your heart without excuse. Because there are always a ton of them. I mean, from the very beginning, Adam had an excuse. Lord, the woman that thou gavest me. From the very beginning, we had an excuse about not doing what God told us to do. And it wrecked havoc into our lives. You have to do what God has told you to do, what he has laid on your heart to do, without excuse. And yes, it may be difficult. Yes, for him losing that weight and getting in shape may have been difficult, but it's easy compared to what he has to go through now. By the time they run tubes everywhere, you're landing, you got to go through all this painful recovery. It's easy compared to what he has to go through now. People, be careful even what you speak out of your mouth. Because what you speak has power. Just as what I speak has power. What you speak will change some things in the heavens itself. You speak negative about yourself, it's going to change some things in the heavens itself. I had a situation months ago. I had a dream. And in the dream, I was at one of our trade shows. And I remember I was there at the, there at the, 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 the entrance taking up tickets. And a, and a lady and her friend, just when I had my back, she rushed by. And snuck in. And I remember running after her. And, and I ran. And I ran. About ten, just running. And they were just a running. And they went up the escalator. And I finally ran up the escalator. And I finally caught them. And I grabbed the lady. And I said, you snuck in without paying. And the lady didn't want to pay. And I remember I said in the dream, I pronounce a curse over you. And in the dream, I saw this black cloud began to form over the lady's head. And I woke up. And when I woke up, God said to me, I now grant you the power to pronounce blessings and cursings on folk. I said, my goodness. But he said, you can only do it based on merit and only once per month. And I've been doing that every month. And I have pronounced some blessings on some folk and they don't even know it. The power, but I haven't cursed anybody. And see, and I remember, and as I, as I discussed it with James, and we were trying to figure out who should I bless first. James said, the first person you need to bless is our mother. And that very day, he got an email from someone who had found him on Facebook, who had been listening to our messages, who talked about the blessings on my mother. It confirmed it. Your mouth has the power to bless or curse your world. And your obedience to God's commands has the power to bless or curse your world. 
some things need to die, but some things need to be resurrected. But before you get to that power and for, to get to those things, you've got to bring some stuff in order. We, we want the supernatural without the natural. And it's on heaven and on earth. And we have to do some of this natural stuff. See, all that God has told me to do, all that stuff is in the natural. I don't, I don't, I'm not sitting up in the clouds praying. That's natural. I'm not, when I go to bed, I'm not sleeping on a cloud. I've got to be in the bed by 11 o'clock, six days a week. One day a week, I'm granted for I can do whatever I want to do. But six days a week, I'm supposed to follow what God tells me to do. And I'm having a time. But when stuff happens, we snap back a lot easier than we do when stuff is going smooth. Have you all noticed that in your world? When stuff happens, then you really start getting on it. When stuff happens... Imagine what we would be like if we stayed obedient without stuff happening. But God had to do that all through the Bible with his people. He had to let people invade them and put them in captivity and all of this stuff. All because they would not do what they were supposed to do. So resurrection power. Before we need resurrection power. We're better off following what God says so we don't die in the first place before our time. And you won't need resurrection power if you follow what God says. Because resurrection power is still a rare thing. It was in the Bible. It is now. So people, that's my message. I am out of time. I hope you listen and I hope this struck your heart. For whatever purpose or means it was designed and destined to do. I have made a new commitment in my world that I've got to get with it. I, I never will forget I was in college majoring in chemistry. And I was going through a real rough class. I was out at the grocery store one night. I should have been studying. And I remember my chemistry professor walked in the grocery store. And I never will forget what he told me. He said, Nate, that's what my college name was. He said, you need to get with it. <laughs> People. What am I about to say? You need to get with it. So it's the same thing. We wait on God to do so much for us. We wait on the miraculous and the supernatural and he does that. But God has a portion of this for us to do. And when we do it. The more we do the natural, the less we need the supernatural. And the more God can trust us with. That's why Jesus did not get any disciples who weren't doing anything. Everybody he got was already doing something. So if we want to have the power, we need to get with it. And we need to obey that which God has spoken into our world. So people, I, I make a new commitment upon this day. Some things have to change. And we've got to be obedient. You know, even with those notes, I was out kayaking with my son yesterday in preparation for our upcoming Alaska trip. And we were learning how to kayak. And while I was kayaking in the middle of the river, I began to make notes on what I'm going to speak about today. And God spoke to me. He said, didn't I tell you not to make any notes? I said, but I'm making the notes in my head. <laughs> he said, didn't I tell you not to make any notes? 
we try to get around what God is saying. You understand what I'm saying? We got all these funny legal loopholes. But I said, I'm not writing it down. I'm going to just make them in my head. He said, I told you not to make any notes. We do everything. We, we try every possible loophole to get around what God is. All kind of. And I was violating the spirit. See, I could have. Maybe, maybe I would have. You know, maybe by the letter. Maybe I, but I was violating the spirit. If we just learn how to do what God has told us to do. Our lives would be so much better and he wouldn't have to send us through so much stuff. And then we would have the spiritual power to flow into others' lives. So I, as of this day, make a new commitment that I'm going to get with. I don't care what you're called. Nate was a name. Was I've had about four or five names through life as I've evolved. And I don't know what your name is right now, because some of you are even going to need to change your name, because what you call right now is not what you're supposed to be. But there's some of you right now, and, and you know that you need to make some real major changes, and you know what they are. So I'm going to ask those of you who, who need to make those changes to come up and stand with me. And I'm not talking about the folk who just know. Think I need to change. I'm talking about the people who know specifically what you need to do. Because if you don't know what you need to do, you can't even begin to do it. I'm talking about those who know specifically what God has placed into your heart of changes that you need to make. Now, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about whether they're all spiritual. Because see, the stuff that God has given me to do, they encompass all of life. They encompass all of life, and you know specifically. Specifically, not not nebulous, not not you know specifically what God has instructed you to do, and you want to make a change on this day, a, a commitment. Unless ye be born again, but to be born again means the old person must die, and nothing likes to die, and that's why the thing that. Often in our worlds, it must die. It's us. Unless a seed fall to the ground and die, it cannot produce fruit. Now, I ask you to come. I want everyone to close their eyes. There are a few people up here now and you're not serious and you know it. I want you to go back and sit down. That's why I want everyone's eyes closed because I don't want anybody to see anybody going to sit. Everybody in the church, just close your eyes so no one will see who goes and sit down. I know it's true because he just spoke it to me. There are a few people here right now and you're walking up out of emotion but deep down you know you're really not serious and you're not going to follow through with this and you're not ready now. You're not even ready to make the commitment. This is for people who are serious. And you really want to make this change. You really want to go on a problem. And, and you're ready to do it right now. You may be ready next month, but he, he, God simply he speaks. You're not ready now. So if you're not ready, go back and sit down. It's better for you to sit down and to, and to try this at another time than, than you know deep in your heart you're not going to follow through with it. Right now, sit down if you know this is you. 
I'm going to count to ten, give you a chance to go sit. And, and be obedient. You know you're not ready. You know, And that's why sometimes just be obedient to the word. Just be obedient. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Everyone can open their eyes. So everyone who's left standing, you're serious about this thing. And people, you will slip, but you won't fall. You mess up, but you won't go back. And, and like I said, you know what God has, has, has led you to do. You know what he's told you to do. I'm, I'm, I'm a living example. And, and when I follow what God tells me, Nothing upsets me because when you spend an hour in prayer, all of the mundane things of the earth just don't bother you. So if I ever get upset, I've always missed my prayer. If I work out the six days a week that God tells me to work out, I'm never sick. Not, not anything bothers me. There's, there's just there are blessings that come. When I study two hours a day, it, it opens up my mind and knowledge. When I spend more time with my family than I do with the ark or mountain wings, it brings us closer with that. So, and every one of those things that I violate has consequences in the natural. But it's not easy. When I go to bed at 11 o'clock, I sleep soundly and I wake up at 5 without an alarm. They're blessings. God has not told you to do anything to harm you. But oftentimes it's stuff you don't want to do because you're in the habit of some other stuff. But everything he's told you to do has blessings. And oftentimes the blessings are beyond what you even realize. I want you to just bow your heads now as, as we pray and I, and I want you to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, Great God Jehovah, I stand before you this day. I have heard your voice. I have heard the word and instructions that you have spoken unto me. Father, I have not been obedient. I know it. And you know it. But Father, I want to be reborn this day. In this hour, I want to do that which you have commanded me to do. Father, I recognize that it's not going to be easy. If it were easy, I would have already done it. But I recognize it's going to be a whole lot better than what I'm doing now. Your son said that his burden is easy and his yoke is light. So I know that in him I will not have heavy burdens and I will not have heavy yokes. But getting in him is simple but it's not easy. 
But this day, Father, I pledge before you and men to follow. And if and when I slip, I won't slide. I will get back up. I will get on the path. And I will do that which you have commanded me to do. I pledge that on this day, I will write it down what you have told me to do. And I will place it before my eyes that I may see it each day. And as it is written, so let it be done. In thy son Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And you heard the pledge that you made. Write it down. That which God has spoken unto you, write it down. Don't, I'm telling you, make some notes. Write it down. Put it in front of your eyes so that you can see it. Write it down. I don't care how you write it. You can get a big ink pen. You can print it out on your computer. You can get a calligraphy brush. I don't care how you write it. You can write it on a poster board. You can write it on a business card. You can write it on a napkin. You can write it in lipstick on your mirror. I don't care how you write it. Write it down. Put it in front of your face so that you can see it every day, so that it reminds you. Because if you don't write it down, you first of all, even it'll fade from you. So that is the first command that you've pledged upon this day. Write it down and post it where you can see it. And people, I will guarantee you that as you begin to do what God has spoken unto you, things in your world are going to begin to change. Things that are in critical condition now, they're going to change. You're going to see some new breath. You're going to see lungs expanded. You're going to see some heart put back into some things that the heart is going out of. You'll come out of critical condition. And you will move from the point of where you need care to where you are a caregiver. But you're going to have to do. Not what the pastor told Because I didn't, I didn't tell you anything to do but write down what God told you. Not, not what the pastor told you to do what God has spoken under your heart and you can't argue with anybody because it says what God has spoken to you. So you have to take that up with God. But if you follow what he tells you without excuse and without concern of surroundings, I don't care if everyone else in the world is doing wrong. When the ark was built, there were only eight folk in the earth doing right. Eight people out of millions. There were only eight people in the whole earth doing right. So it doesn't matter if he's told you to do something at your job and everyone else is doing wrong. There were only eight people in the world doing right. You need to be one of the ones who does right, regardless of that which surrounds you. If everybody else around you is fussing and raising sand and God has told you to maintain peace and sweetness, Regardless of what surrounds you, do what God tells you to do. It's no accident that see Elijah has begun teaching 
on developing your potential. Because even though you may be great now, you're nowhere near where God wants to take you and what God wants to make you and how God wants to use you to develop others into his kingdom. I'm going to ask Pastor James to speak now and to close us out for today. Amen. All of you can just remain here as we prepare for dismissal. Amen. We thank Pastor for sharing his personal story and life with us today. Shows that he's human too and he struggles with the same issues that we do. And we thank him for his just being candid. And there are not many pastors that would admit these things to the people. So we, we thank him for opening himself up to be an open vessel for the Lord. Even as he talked about that he'd spoken over people that they didn't even know about it and pronounced blessings upon him. The thought just kind of came in my head as I'm sure people out here have spoken some things over folks they don't know. They didn't pronounce cursings upon them. So if, the, if that fits you, we want to go home and recant those things back and turn them into blessings. And a lot of times people may have made us mad and we may go home and, and say some things about them that we didn't realize that went out in the ether and things may have happened in that world and they didn't really know why it was going on but we sent out things toward them so we want to go home and think of us go home and just reminisce and think about it there's anybody that you've spoken negative cursings upon and sometimes we'll say things and people will do things to us and i've known cases where a bad thing will happen to somebody and they'll they'll say you know i really didn't really didn't want that to happen but yet they have a little good feeling about it so we want to recant those things that that we've said i was even in the in the drugstore last week and i was purchasing some medicine and it had two of the pills missing and i took them back and told the manager that i need to get a new box because somebody pulled two pills out and he looked at it and he said i hope they got sicker after they took this <laughs> And I, I came back in later that day to, to get something else. And he ran over and he found me. He said, sir, I just want to apologize. He said, that, that wasn't right. I, I thought about it after you left to, to say that I hope they got. And he, he, I could tell he meant it too. He, <laughs> and he re, had to recant that. So we all need to go home and even think about things that we've said over other people. Even sometimes we say things over our own children that, call them knucklehead and, and, and a lot of things that really we don't really think good about that, that may stick in their heads and, and we need to change even the blessings and cursings that we speak over people so take this message with you today and, we, and even among those that are up here the other things that has helped pastor and out the most in our lives with getting on the program is just partnering and having accountability one to another so even as he has told you to write it down if you can look at those who are up here who are making a new commitment if you just find a partner and as you write the things down each day just check off whether you did the things or not and you see each other once a week on church you can 
bring the paper and give it to your accountability partner. And you'll be surprised on how that just makes you do better, knowing that somebody is going to look at it. Can you imagine going through school and if you knew the teacher was never going to look at your homework, never going to grade your homework, how much homework you all would have done? <laughs> and it is the same way a lot of times as adults. We really don't change. If, if, we were, if God was giving us a grade that was posted up for the whole church to see, we would do better on a lot of these things, I bet. <laughs> and we had a board out front with these grades posted on. So do the same thing on a personal level. Just... Write down every night before you go to bed. Check off the things, whether you did them or not. Give them to your accountability partner once a week. And you'll be surprised on how that little bit of pressure, even before it gets to God or gets to the pastor, how that little, just knowing your friend going to see how you've been slacking off on this thing. <laughs> That'll help keep you on track. Just give that a try for a month and see if that helps you improve. So we... Thank God this day. Well, bow your heads right where you are. Lord, we thank you for the word that you have sent this day, O oh Lord, without any notes, O oh Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being the teacher this day, O oh Lord. We thank you, Lord, for thy blood and thy mercy and grace, O oh Lord, for without your son Jesus and his mercy, Lord, we would have all flunked this school of life, O oh Lord. We will have all flunked this class, oh Father, based upon our own merits. But we thank you, Lord, for giving us grace enough to allow us to even make it to this day, oh Lord. For Lord, if we had been judged on how we'd been doing, we, none of us would even be here right now, oh Lord. We'd all be riddled with sickness and just taken off the face of the earth, oh Lord, and accidents and all type of things, oh Lord, based upon how we've died, oh Lord. But we thank you this day, oh Lord, for waking up our conscience, oh Lord, that letting us know, oh Lord, you want us to do better, oh Lord, that we have more potential than what we've been exhibiting, oh Lord. For you want to see your children, oh Lord, making A's. You want to see your children reaching the full potential of what you've called them to be, oh Lord. For we would not even be satisfied if we knew we had a child that was able to be one of the best doctors in the city. And yet, they weren't doing well in school and wanted to drop out of school and didn't want to go to pre-med. And just wanted to work a menial job. If that's not what we knew their potential was. And you're the same way with us, O oh Lord. So we thank you for bringing us this word today, O oh Lord to do better and to get with the program, oh Lord. We thank you, Lord, for just caring so much about us, loving us so much, oh Father, that you're allowing us to get back on track, oh Lord, for you want to see us make it to the promised land in our lives, oh Lord. And even as we as parents get on track, oh Lord, it'll take our generations even higher, oh Lord, for they will be able to get on track better when they see mama and daddy get on track, oh Lord. So we thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You are listening to airjesus.com and the online word.com. This was the second message in the Resurrection Power series by Nathaniel Bronner Jr. This message was number 5433 and called Being Reborn.
that's 5433. To listen to the entire series click series on airjesus.com or the online word.com. Listen to airjesus.com and the online word.com often and keep your spirit charged up.